all have heard of the missionary Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was the missionary who went to China and he decided he was going to do it differently than everybody else. He was just going to rely on the Lord completely and allow the Lord to provide everything that he needed to be a missionary in China. And he really changed the way we do missions today because of his efforts. One of the things that, that Hudson Taylor shared was this. God's work done in God's way will never lack supply. He believed that God supports his own program. And as we think about God supporting his program, whatever resources are necessary for God's program to work, God will make sure those resources are provided. That's what Hudson Taylor believed, and that's what Hudson Taylor practiced in his missionary and his ministry endeavors, trusting that God would provide for the program that God had planned. This morning, after a week delay, this would have been last week's, but you guys all overslept, <laughs> we find ourselves at the edge of 2 Corinthians 9. Now in chapter 8, Paul was talking to us and sharing with the people of Corinth about the collection that was taking place, the collection for the saints in Jerusalem. And he shared about the value of it for the people of Jerusalem, but he's also shared about the value of it for the people of Corinth as well. And he explained that this gift that they were giving was not a transfer of wealth. They were not to put themselves in poverty so that the people of Jerusalem would have, but from their, what they had, they were to give a portion as each could give to the people of Jerusalem. And that's what he has been been teaching them and sharing with them. Now, as we moved our way through 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we saw the people of Corinth had kind of stopped with their collecting. False teachers had come in and discouraged them and shared some things about Paul that weren't true. And so the collecting has stopped. They were excited about it as it began, but it's kind of come to a stop. And now Paul is encouraging them to pick it up and to continue in the process. And here in 2 Corinthians 9, verses 1 through 5, Paul shares more about this gift that is being given. And Paul is encouraging them and challenging them to pick up where they left off in this collection process. Now, if you have your Bibles with you, open to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We are going to dive into verses 1 through 5 this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 1 is where we want to look. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 1 reads this way. Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. For I know your readiness of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I'm sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter so that you may be ready, as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised, so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. 
Now, as we look at 2 Corinthians 9, verses 1 through 5, I've entitled this message, The Collecting Planning, The Collection Planning. And as we think about that this morning, there are two headings that we want to use to kind of lead us through this. The first thing is their present response. The second thing we want to see is their present responsibility. Before we dive into this passage, let's just pray for a moment. Father, we're grateful for this day that you've given to us, and we are grateful for this opportunity to gather this morning. And Lord, as we look into your word this morning, I pray that your word would look into us. I, I pray, Lord, that this wouldn't just be the babblings of some man, but I pray, Father, when we leave here this morning, that we'll be able to say that we have truly heard from you. So Lord, just open my mind and my heart and give me the words to share, Lord, so that we would hear from you, nothing more, nothing less. But Lord, I pray you'd use me this morning just to speak to our hearts and let your word find a resting place in our own hearts. We thank you so much for your son, Jesus, and just all that we have because of him. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Now, as we begin this passage, the first thing we want to look at is their past response. Their past response. Look at verse 1 here. It says, now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. Now, superfluous is a word that I've been practicing for the last two weeks, and I even have all of the pronunciation things here in front of me. But this word that's used here means to go over and above, to go over and above. Paul wrote to the people of Corinth about this collection. They know about this collection. He doesn't need to speak to them and write to them any more about the collection because they already know. And he's already written to them about it and they know. I love the way the New Living Translation shares this. It says, I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem, for I know how eager you are to help. So Paul already knew that they were eager to be a part of it, so he didn't need to do more to sweeten it he didn't need to add more to it because they already knew what was going. And Paul didn't really want to ride this dead horse here. Uh, didn't want to just keep going on and on with it. He knew and they knew about this, about this collection that was taking place. Now notice it says, uh, I want to write to you about the ministry for the saints. And this is speaking about that collection that's taking place. And he calls it a, a number of different terms. In chapter 8, he referred to it as an act of grace. And so he does use several different terms for it. And this here is the same thing, this ministry for the saints. He's talking about that collection that's being gathered that's going to go to the people of Jerusalem. So it's the same thing that's going on here. And notice in verse 2, he says, I know your readiness. This is why it is superfluous. They're ready for it. They want to be a part of it. And he knows that. That's their response. That's where they have been with this collection. They are all in. And Paul knows that they're ready. He knows that they're ready to participate. He's aware that they're ready to participate. They have been eager to be a part of it from when Paul first mentioned it to them and shared it with them. This was in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 10. Paul said this, And in this matter I give my judgment, this benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, 
but also to desire it. They were all in when this work began a year ago. Now evidently, as I mentioned earlier, those false teachers came in and they brought everything to a halt. They shared some things about Paul and they kind of didn't trust Paul. Paul has sent Titus and Titus has straightened some things up. There was repentance and now there's a renewal of this relationship. And so that's why Paul once again is speaking about this collection and about what needs to be done. And that was their response. They were excited about it. Now look at verse 2 as it continues. He says, For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you, to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year. Now the word Achaia here is a new one for us. We haven't seen that yet in our study of 2 Corinthians. But Achaia is just the region and Corinth is the capital of that region, just like we would say Michigan, and then anybody wants to talk about the capital of Michigan, we would say Medina. <laughs> so that would be how it is. So we're talking about Michigan, and we understand that's the area, and then more specifically Medina. So we understand that. It's, Corinth is the specifics, but Achaia is that whole region. Just like with Macedonia being the whole region, Thessalonica is one of the cities in Macedonia. Philippi is one of those cities in Macedonia as well. And so that's the Achaia that he's talking about here. The people of Macedonia have been all in on this collection. They've been involved in this collection. Paul told the people of Corinth, the people of Achaia, about Macedonia. And he shared, it says there, that I boast about you to the people of Macedonia. Because of their readiness, because of their excitement to be a part of this collection, Paul shared that with the people of Macedonia. And he used the giving that Macedonia was doing. He used that to encourage the people of Corinth. And he's also used the uh, desire of the people of Corinth to be a part of it. He's used that to encourage the people of Macedonia with what's going on. And, and he's used both of those to encourage them both, talking about the people of Corinth and talking about the people of Macedonia to encourage both of them, sharing with them what's going on. As we think about this, it's almost like they're a part of the same team. It's almost like they're a part of the family of God. Even though they're in Corinth and they're those uh, Westerners, you know how they can be. And then here are the people of Macedonia who are kind of those Northeasterners. You know how they can be. But yet Paul is using both of those examples to encourage the other group. This is Colossians 2.19. It says, Not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. Have you ever noticed how amazing the human body is? It is, it is amazing how the human body works. And when part of the one part of the human body fails to work, it's amazing how it affects the rest of the human body. I mean, I mean let's just say that something small, like your kidneys, stop working. What's that do to the rest of the body? Okay? You know on your foot, 
you have that furniture seeking toe. You know the furniture seeker that I'm talking about? And it's probably, I mean, it's not as long as my pinky, right? You guys don't have any pinky toes that long? Okay. Smaller than that. But when that boy detects the furniture, doesn't that make walking more difficult? Especially when he detects it really well. I mean, it affects your vocal cords, doesn't it? Yeah. Wakes up the rest of the house because no lights were on. That little bitty toe does all of that. It all works together. The body of Christ works the same way. We're all on the same team. We're all working for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Paul was talking to the people of Corinth and sharing with them about what Macedonia is doing to encourage the people in Jerusalem. Paul is encouraging the people of Macedonia about what's going on in Corinth and how they are looking forward to being a part of the collection for the saints in Jerusalem. Paul says, hey, we're all on the same team. Can you imagine if the work of another church encouraged us? Can you imagine if we looked at another church and said, wow, look what God is doing through that church. Wouldn't that be amazing to see that? Wouldn't it be amazing to see that in other individuals? As we look at other individuals and we see God working in and through them, wouldn't it be amazing if that work that God was doing was an encouragement to us? Sometimes as followers of Christ, we, we become critical. We become jealous. Instead of being encouraged by God working in certain areas, we become jealous instead. We sometimes forget that we're all part of the same body, right? We're all on the same team. Paul is using both of them to encourage each other. Look at verse 2. He says, your zeal has stirred up most of them. Macedonia was encouraged by the zeal of Corinth. As they thought about being a part of this work, they were excited about being a part of that work. Their zeal was there. And notice it says, your zeal has stirred up most of them. When you hear the word stirred up, do you sometimes think of it in a negative way? I do. Because in my family, I enjoy being the stirrer. <laughs> I enjoy stirring up stuff. And my brothers and sisters will tell you. Uh, and then with a face like this, I always look innocent. <laughs> Not really. But anyway. Your zeal has stirred up most of them. This is not a negative stirring. This is a positive stirring that's taken place. It did not lead Macedonia to be critical. It did not lead Macedonia to be jealous or bitter that God was working, that they were stirred up, that they were excited to be a part of this. Instead, it encouraged the people of Macedonia. That, hey, we're partnering together in doing this work. It was exciting for them. It stirred up that fire. It stirred up that fire. Have you ever had the, those coals laying there in the fire, and they're kind of beginning to turn gray? 
and they're not glowing like they once were, and you just take a stick and you stir them, and the red comes back up, it flares back up. That's what this stirring did for the people of Macedonia. It stirred them up. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says this, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. When we see God working in and through others, it should stir the fire within us to desire to see God work in and through us. When we see God working in a different church, it should stir us up as a church to work and see God work through us, not in a competitive way, but in just seeing the impact that we can do for the kingdom of God. The, the work of God should stir us up. It, it shouldn't be something we become jealous in. It should become something that, that lights our fire. And Hebrews 10.24 says, we need to consider how we can do that. <laughs> what can we do to stir up others, to get others excited? As we hear the things that God are doing in others, it should excite us. And you know, as God does things in our lives, we should be excited to share it with others as well because it should encourage each other and stir us up. Have you ever come alongside someone who maybe is a new Christian and they're just so excited? You know, they're, they're finding new things in the Word of God and they're just excited about it and they just want to tell you and it's stuff that you've learned in Sunday school 114 years ago. But yet they're excited about it. And you know, sometimes we can snuff that flame right out. Yeah, I know that the big fish was not a whale. I know that. It's not that exciting. We can do that. But instead, we should come alongside of them and say, man, that's so awesome you discovered that. Man, and then that gets you excited, right? That gets them excited. And that should excite us. We shouldn't be snuffing out one another. We should be stirring it up and encouraging one another, stirring it up in a positive way, right? Encouraging one another. As they discover new things, we're discovering new things and we're, we're doing that with one another. And that's what Paul says, or the writer of Hebrews, sorry. The writer of Hebrews says here in Hebrews 10, 24, let us stir up one another. Paul is using that stirring to help Macedonia encourage Corinth and let Corinth encourage Macedonia. That's, that's where they were. That was the response that had taken place, and that was the impact that this response had. Now notice the responsibility. Verse 3. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter. Paul wanted the people of Corinth to be ready. This collection was something that was exciting them. Paul wanted to make sure that they were carrying through with that excitement. He wanted them to be ready. Have you guys ever had company just drop by unexpected? Now your house is pretty clean always, okay? We usually keep a pretty clean house. When we know someone is dropping by, we make sure there are no dishes in the sink, right? Make sure all the cat toys are picked up, you know, 
They're going to be drug everywhere just a moment anyway, but we kind of pick them up and make sure that they're not in the middle of the floor at least. Isn't that kind of what we do? You know, it's not like we have to clean from roof to ceiling, but, you know, we just kind of make things like pick up a little bit, a little bit more tidy. This is what Paul is wanting to make sure. He's wanting to make sure that their excitement has not dwindled, that this pause in their collection has not continued, that they have picked up and they are doing the collection again. Paul wants them to have all of their affairs in order. The, the people of Corinth had a great amount of spiritual gifts. They had a great amount of wealth. They had ability to contribute to this collection. And Paul just wants to make sure that this excitement to be a part of this ministry that they had is excitement and it's carrying through in the collection that's being taken up. They've talked the talk, but he wants to make sure that they're walking the walk. And he doesn't want the company to show up and just surprise them. He wants to make sure they're not surprised by these surprise guests. So it says, I'm sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty. He wanted them to be ready. Look at verse 3 as it continues. So that you may be ready, as I said you would be. Paul has given them the instructions about this collection previously. Uh, this was 1 Corinthians 16. Concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside, store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. Paul did not want them to be gathering it when the people showed up. He did not want them to seem like this collection that was taking place was something that was being done under compulsion. He didn't want it to seem like it was something that they were reluctantly doing. He wanted their giving to be seen as giving from the heart. And if they did that prior to everybody showing up, then it would show that it was that kind of giving, that it was from their heart. And they've already shown that kind of mindset. They were excited about it. They were willing to give. He just wants to make sure that it's done cheerfully, that it's seen as being done cheerfully. And he told the Macedonians about the people of Achaia and, and this gift and how this gift would be ready for them. He says in verse 4, Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. Paul had not told a lie about their contribution, but he had talked to them and shared about how excited they were about the promises that they had made about this collecting and about this contribution that they were doing. They started strong, but in the middle they faded. And Paul wanted to make sure that they were working towards finishing strong, not trapped and paused and, and locked up in this, in this pause session. He shared this in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 24. So give proof. So give proof before the churches of your love and our boasting about you to these men. These Macedonians that Paul were sending 
would not be the brothers that would be accompanying Titus that we saw earlier. This would be a different group. And he wanted to make sure that this different group saw their hearts and saw that they were really desiring to give. Now look at verse 5 there. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exactation. Paul is speaking about this gift as if it's a promised gift because it is a promised gift. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 10 says this, In this matter I give my judgment, this benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire it. It was their desire. They wanted to be a part of it. And Paul is saying, you know, I just want to make sure that you're carrying through with your excitement, that you're carrying out and seeing it to the end. Because it's one thing to make the promise, but it's a whole new thing to fulfill the promise. Don't just be words only, be actions as well. That's what Paul is encouraging them to do. Paul is speaking of this as a willing gift. It wasn't something that they were forced to do or coerced to do. It was something that they were willing to do. So there you have it. Their past response and their present responsibility. So what do we take home from this? I mean, what do we apply to our lives? What does this mean to us? I think the first thing that this does for us I, th I think we need to ask ourselves, what is the reason for our giving? What is the reason, reason for our generosity? Do we give so that other people see us giving, so that other people recognize us giving? Do we give so that we give back? What is the reason that we give? Do we give as a, uh, as a grudgingly giver, or do we cheerfully share? What is our mindset when we think about giving? What is that? What, where do we land? And I think that's something that we need to consider. You know, how do I view what God has given to me? Do I see it as all mine and it's just for me? Or do I see it as something that God has given to me that I, that I have an opportunity to share with others? How do I view what God has given to me? I think another thing that we can ask ourselves is how are we most often stirred up? Are we most often stirred up in a negative way? Or are we most often stirred up in a positive way? You know, when we think about the work that God is doing, that should stir us up in a positive way, regardless of who God is working through. Think about your loved one who doesn't know Jesus. And yet, you find out that they came to know Jesus. You didn't get the opportunity to tell them about Jesus. You didn't get the opportunity to lead them to Jesus. But somebody else did. How would we react to that? Well, because we're related by blood, woohoo, I'm celebrating that. 
We should have that same mindset as we look at others and the impact that they're making, even if it's not our blood relative who's coming to know Christ. Because when we all gather around the throne of Jesus Christ on that day, and we celebrate who Jesus Christ is, isn't that going to be amazing to have just that full choir? I'm not a choir singer. I played one on TV once. But it seems like when that choir, there's more in that choir, the more sounds there are, the merrier it is. What a great day that's going to be when we all gather and we get to worship Jesus face to face. And there are representatives of other people's ministries there. I know Jesus because of Bob. I know Jesus because of Tim. I know Jesus because of Tom. What a great thing that's going to be when we all just celebrate Jesus. And that should be our mindset. And as we see those positive things stir up, it should stir up excitement in us and a fire in us as we see other people excited about it. As believers, we are part of the body of Christ. And you know, we don't often like to think about it, but maybe my job is just a furniture seeker in the body of Christ. But if Christ can use me as a furniture seeker, he can use anybody. And we should be excited, even if that's just our job, it's just that. We should be excited at the whole body of Christ doing the work for Jesus, seeing people come to know Christ. That should excite us.